Welcome to Dreams X Trash. Hey, I'm Oscar, co-host of Dreams X Trash, Kenyan living and working in Japan with dreams of being more than an unknown writer. And I'm Jason, fellow co-host of Dreams X Trash, Kenyan living in Japan and tech and art enthusiast. And Jason, what do we do here? Well, Dreams X Trash is a podcast hosted by us, two Kenyans living in Japan. We have lived in Japan for a combined period of six years, six years, and English teachers. Jesus is right. The conversations are a parasocial look at Japanese, Kenyan culture, society, history, philosophy, and a lot of bullshit that swirls around in our lives. I agree with that. And these conversations are a journey of us attempting to make sense of our lives, the world around us, and us trying to make something of what little knowledge we have. And we do have very little knowledge. And that journey starts right now. Another week, another podcast. Jason, how are you doing? Another week, another podcast. Guess who am I? Killing my lines as usual, yeah. huh? <laughs> yes, I'm doing good. <laughs> and today we have a special guest. Who are you, special guest? Oh, hi. <laughs> my name is Senna. Mm-hmm. And I just happen to be Jason's cousin. Yay. Jason's cousin. Family in the house. Family. We have family <laughs> in the house. Tell yeah. the people a little bit about yourself and what do you do? So um, I'm currently a university student here in Tokyo. Um, I've been living in Japan for going on six years now. And um, yeah, I love all things artistic, creative. Um, and yeah, I don't know what else to say about myself. I don't know. When people ask me, I get like, I'm, like put on the spot. I, I, it's like I blank. I forget who I am. Tell them about the <laughs> YouTube, the fashion, all that Oh, right. Okay. So you have I a podcast. Have this is the part do you do. <laughs> you do the shameless plugin. <laughs> uh, I'm forgetting all of it. Okay. So, yes, um, I have a YouTube channel. It's called The Hazina Girl. It's where I kind of post videos about my life in Japan. I also have a podcast, which I recently just started with my sister called Black Sister Sekai. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we talk about, you know, what it's like to be black girls living in Japan. Kind of similar to what you guys do, which is great. You guys inspired us, by the way. I hope you know. You guys were our number one inspiration. Uh, I told Oscar about that one. Oh, you did? Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. a very big responsibility. That's a big burden on us. <laughs> I know. No, but you guys really did inspire us because you were like, wait a minute. This is this is something we could do, too. You yeah. guys are doing a great job at it. So, yeah, we were really inspired by you guys. And... Black Sister Sekai mm-hmm. can be found on Spotify and Apple Music. Check it out, yes. guys. Yes, please. That would be amazing. We're trying to post more regularly. We post right now, like, pretty much, at least, like, you know, in a month, we'll post at least once. Mm-hmm. But we're trying to get it to the point where it's, like, weekly. Like you guys, you know? You guys are pros. Nice. Firing us. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We try. We try around here. <laughs> if you go back and look at the first episode, you know, oh, there's no. been a... Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't... Yeah. yeah, don't do that, but... The first, let's say, like episode ten onwards, you know, there's been big growth for us. So yeah, no kidding. I bet. People like you have been motivating us, telling us, "Hey, you guys are doing a good job. You can become better." Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I when I listen, I'm always like super invested, and I feel like you guys have like gotten the podcast to the point where I can really fully listen from beginning to end and be completely entertained. So I think you guys are doing pretty good. Yay, Oscar, you hearing that? One plus. That's really encouraging, Jason. That is a wonderful <laughs> <one>. <laughs> We're going to be talking about this for a while. Uh, and, you know, we don't need a gratitude of the week because we got gratitude straight from exactly. our guest right now. Yeah. Oh, would you look at that? Wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> and, Oscar, what's our first topic? What are we starting with? So, our first topic is something that Jason and I discussed on the podcast last week, which was TikTok. TikTok and meaning. Okay. TikTok and make. So I, I was bringing up the argument that social media is generally accessible in the sense that most things posted on social media are not forms of creative art. Rather, they're just forms of attention seeking. 
but Jason did mention to me that you and your sister are really invested in TikTok and would you mind explaining what you do there? Okay, can yeah, I wait, okay. can I first explain that a bit further? Okay. Now Oscar did not elaborate my point properly. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm saying okay. yes, it is accessible. I can't deny that. But mm-hmm. because of the advent of technology and how easy it is to get onto like a phone or a computer, it has lowered the bar for people. So now anyone can mm-hmm. create creative content online. Right. So even though there's a lot more trash to sort through which i guess oscar and i did agree there's a lot of trash to sort through it mm-hmm. there's also a lot more potential great content being made by people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then i gave you guys an example so i'm actually i was i was i was like i was your hyper man actually <laughs> if you really think about it so anyway what do you think i i mean okay first of all what like me and my sister i think we're like avid tiktok users not because we're like the best content creators out there because we're definitely not like i don't think my sister's posted anything i barely post anything on my tiktok like personally but i think the content that i watch on tiktok is what i think is like what makes the platform so amazing because the truth is like on tiktok because what what you said jason you know that it's kind of become super accessible and now anybody can make uh content it makes it a lot more um, like it, it just makes it a lot easier to be able to find really good stuff out there um, mm. because yes of course there is more trash but there is also more gold you know what I mean like, yeah. Yeah, in yeah. a way if you know where to look you can find the good stuff you know so my personal love for TikTok comes from the fact that it's just full of all kinds of different content you can find anything that you're into there's someone out there who's made some kind of TikTok video about it um, and I think the thing that makes TikTok really just the best, you know, like as of right now, is the fact that it's just completely relatable. Like you can find somebody out there who's going through the exact same thing as you. Like you'd be surprised the specificity in these TikToks of like things that people are going through and the experiences that they're kind of sharing with the world. There's like so much relatability in that. And I think that's what makes people really attracted to the app. They feel like they can find other people who are just like them, you know? And let so. me ask, what content do you enjoy on TikTok? Is there anything particular? Oh gosh, oh gosh, I enjoy, like, I think what I really am into, actually it's really funny you ask because I literally woke up and I was on TikTok just this morning, so (laughs) it's like fresh in my mind. (laughs) But um, I really like uh, TikToks that just talk about like very specific things that have to do with like my personal life that I can relate to. So like I love people who make TikToks about life in Japan. Um, I know I don't know a lot of people's usernames like right off the top, but there's tons of amazing like black people in Japan who make TikToks about their life, like what it's like to be black in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like Pat, you know the, the guy who's like um, like an English teacher in Japan, he makes a bunch of really great ones of like how his students interact with him, mm-hmm. you know, as like an English teacher in Japan and stuff. Um, and yeah, I just think those are hilarious. And there's another girl who's actually she's my classmate. Her name is Cameron. Her account, I think, is like Nore2000. She makes really great ones where she talks about what it's like being a student in Japan and how people perceive her as black. She's kind of light-skinned, you know? So she talks a lot about how people see her and they're like, what, you're black? Oh my gosh, like, what's that all about, you know? Um, so those are really funny, too. And there's tons of other people. I mean, if I started to name... Oh, there's Richard. Oh, he's amazing. Richado. Do you guys know him? No? No. Anyways. He's great. He makes a bunch of TikToks about, like, being British and black and how, like... When he talks to people in English, um, they kind of like don't really understand what he's saying and how they have like these kind of misunderstandings between Japanese and English. And it's just hilarious. Like it's just relatable content and it's amazing. And I love it. That's great. That's probably the ones that I love the most right now because it's the most relatable to me, you know? So the argument I personally have against TikTok is that upon opening TikTok, so Jason and I mentioned the use of how algorithms are be used to propagate videos and to generate your, your feed, your own personal feed, right? Yeah. And what I will argue is that, so when I look at Instagram, I will see a picture of a beautiful woman, right? Mm-hmm. And I might spend a couple of seconds on that on that picture just because, well, she's attractive. Mm-hmm. But when I open TikTok, the Instagram algorithm is generated on TikTok as well. So the first things I see once I open TikTok are mm-hmm. women dancing, you know, have like sexy, attractive women dancing, right? Uh, when yeah. I see that, I am less prone to go and dig into what I am actually interested in because what I'm seeing upon first entry is just overwhelming stimuli. Yeah. Right. I'm just going to keep stro- scrolling through the sexy videos. Like, I want to see more of this. So the <laughs> yeah. the hyper, hypersexual content. Right. Yes. And this is the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. with TikTok, this is something I think a lot of people don't know. And I think most of the people who aren't into TikTok mm-hmm. are, go through the same thing that you just explained, Oscar, which is like, 
basically when you first get the app right and you have to like scroll through the for you page um the content that you're seeing is not really like you know catering to your interests or it's not like you know the algorithm doesn't know what you like yet right mm -hmm. so what you have to do is you have to go out there and kind of search the videos that you would be interested in and find um creators who make the kind of content that you're interested in and kind of you know follow them like mm -hmm. their content and then as you do that the algorithm gets like smarter and it basically is able to tell okay so you like this type of content all right i'll show you more of this but then what people kind of get caught up in is like you explained like they'll open up the app and they'll think oh okay this is tiktok showing me what they think i would like so i guess i'll just keep scrolling down mm -hmm. to see mm -hmm. what's there and then tiktok is like oh well you keep you just watch the four second video um you know and it, it actually times how long you watch too so it'll right say, like, example, right I was, I, was, I was explaining that to oscar last week yeah exactly it'll time it so it'll say okay well this video is a minute long and you watch about half of it which means you're interested so i'll show you another one that's similar to what you just watched right and that's the mistake a lot of people make and then they end up being like what is all this this is all garbage why is it showing me this stuff that i'm not interested in and that's because you know you're not teaching the algorithm what it is that you really like you're just kind of watching what's being presented to you you know but so, I think so... Like, <laughs> If you want to <laughs> hate on the hypersexual content, you got to hate on the men who are... Exactly. <laughs> you got to skip through it quick. Don't even watch it for a second. Like, just skip through it. You know what I mean? And but then they're going to be like, okay. That's the, thing, right? that's the problem. The problem is that I can't just skip through it, right? So, <laughs> that, no, but that's what the I truth, mean, right? Most guys, yeah, like, this is the problem for all guys who use TikTok. I've seen this, like, in mm -hmm. multiple friends. They say, like, man, a lot of this content seems to be pushed our side. There's a tendency to be pushed mm -hmm. to towards, like, the male side yeah that's not a coincidence i think that's yep. just because guys are spending more time watching it so the algorithm is like oh you like this okay cool let me show you more you know and duh i mean of course we like it <laughs> <laughs> uh, i mean hey, that's something i can't help you with you know what i'm saying yeah. that's on you <laughs> that's that's the problem right it's like i can't turn off my my you know my evolutionary biology when i see that woman <laughs> taking her ass i'm going to look even though it's like three seconds longer you know I'm just going to... <laughs> Funny. I can't help you with that one. I mean, yeah, all I yeah. can say is, you know, you can pray for some self-control. Hopefully that'll help the TikTok algorithm give you some better okay. stuff. But other than that... So, <laughs> I, I do agree, like, self-control is necessary. But, like, so the yeah. problem I have here is that let me compare TikTok to a, to a physical library. So when mm -hmm. I go into a library and I want to look for a book on psychology, for instance, right. I just walk straight to the psychology section, right? Right. And along the way to the psychology section, I don't pass through a section of porn. You know, they're not... Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, sexually suggestive. <laughs> sexually suggestive if, yes, content. Okay, yeah. If I did go right. to a library and there was like, what, hentai manga along the way to the psychology section, <laughs> I might stop there for a few minutes just to see what's up, you know? And I'm mm, a bit yeah. confused. I'm like, okay, let me just pick this thing up. I'll pick up this project tomorrow. But right. now, TikTok is the same way by like, upon first entry, it's like, wow, it's like, it's all, it's so good. Like, you know, I was telling my wife that <laughs> I looked at my wife and the first video I saw was a woman. Like, she just has a brown. Like, she has big breasts, right? And she's wearing a bra. And she puts mentos into a bottle of Coke. And as the Coke is, like, blowing up, she puts her mouth on the Coke, on the Coke bottle. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we all know. Yeah, this we are. <laughs> no, oh, no. Let all the guys watching know, really know what's happening. Yeah. Oh, all the guys they know who, what, they don't know what's happening there. My wife says, Oski, your mind is so dirty. I'm like, no, no, this is what's up. Yeah. I think, like, actually, though, um, just today, like, literally this morning as I was on TikTok, they changed their policy and they're trying to get rid of, like, really, the kind of, you know, explicit content like that, like, things that are very suggestive. Because I think they do realize that, yeah, like, that's not really what people like maybe it is what attracts people to the app but it's not what pe keeps people there for a long mm -hmm. time you know and it does deter people from wanting to continue to like you know use the app and kind of look around because if they think that that's all that tiktok has to offer then why should they stick around you know what i mean yeah. so i think um hopefully they're changing their policies so that what shows up on the for you page is a little bit better curated and it's not it's not just like trash right off like the bat you know what i mean mm -hmm. so so okay yeah. given that there's this tendency right mm -hmm. Let's say with the behavior when it comes to male users on TikTok, right? Now, mm -hmm. does, let's talk about the culture that's created from that. Because that's the one that really got me. Is that mm -hmm. because of this hypersexual content that tends to be propagated by the algorithm more, mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. try to capitalize on that. And that's how trends are made, right? You know, there's a right. specific dance or some sort of act, you know? 
and mm -hmm. a lot of the let's say the dances or the sexually suggestive dances they're mm -hmm. being done by instagram stars on tiktok that's fine right but yeah, now mm -hmm. when the trend becomes popular enough you start seeing kids doing it you know you right, see mm -hmm. like 15 year olds 14 year olds maybe a bunch of them in their bikinis or like in just like just <laughs> very scant yeah. clothing trying to mm -hmm. like mimic the instagram star and doing the exact same you know sexual dance or let's say like twerking twerking for a right. while was like a huge thing right? right and you'd have kids twerking on this and i'm just like isn't this just this like the treasure trove for pedophiles like i i, I don't understand <laughs> i don't understand like how they can just allow this on their content okay. and everyone to just so, scroll through it and be like this is okay right so this is the thing okay this is this is again what i think makes tiktok so amazing is that like TikTok is very self-aware about these things. So the thing is, like, maybe, like, as you're scrolling through, you might just see the clip of, like, the sexually explicit or whatever, like, the kids that are dancing and all that stuff. Huh. But then there'll be another creator who will take that clip and stitch it with their own clip of them reacting to that and being like, this is ridiculous and this needs to be taken down. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's a quality that's that Instagram doesn't mm -hmm. have. It's a quality that Facebook doesn't have. It's a quality YouTube has that. Social media. YouTube has yeah, that. YouTube yeah, YouTube does YouTube have does that. Have that's that. true. Yeah. People will make, like, reaction videos and that kind of stuff. But the mm. thing about TikTok that I think is amazing is that, like, typically the video of the person being like okay this is ridiculous it needs to be taken down is the video that will become more viral than the actual original video okay, itself you okay. see what i'm saying and that's what i love the most about it because like the fact that it's so kind of like self-aware and self-critical um makes it a really fantastic app and, and then of course you'll see the conversation continue in the comments and you'll see people kind of talk about why it's an issue or and then the cool thing about it too is that the person who posted the video like the person who's you know basically kind of criticizing or commenting or whatever they can actually reply to the comments with other videos like new tiktok videos of them talking about what somebody said in a comment so that kind of like never-ending kind of cycle where you can have this ongoing discussion and see what people are saying and updating you know what they they first kind of said in their videos and things like that that's what makes it so great and that's one of the reasons why i personally love it so much you know like every app is going to have its issues no matter what but i feel like this like app in particular has this really amazing culture of being very self-critical and i just i love that actually you brought up a very interesting point the whole every like basically if a social media platform is live long enough there's a sort of like mm -hmm. social consciousness connected social consciousness mm -hmm. that is born from it um right. i can tell with youtube specifically the exact same thing you talked about just happened if right. uh if let's say there's a channel that involves minors or minor uh, content for minors right Mm -hmm. If anything explicit is ever put on that channel, there'll be tons mm -hmm. of reaction videos, right? There'll be a yeah. huge outcry and that channel will like, it'll be forced to act or YouTube will close it, close it down, right? Exactly, exactly. So I didn't know yeah. that happens on TikTok too. You, you... Okay, it does. so any potentially harmful trends, the social consciousness of TikTok, that shared consciousness will self-correct mm -hmm. that negative trend. Yeah. And typically the original video will get taken down but the the comment that the person is making or like the video where the person kind of comments on it is what will continue to kind of live on uh, and i think TikTok kind of kept it that way like you know how sometimes when on youtube like if somebody puts a video that's like you know you know explicit or whatever and then somebody does a reaction video to it maybe the reaction video will get taken down as well as the original too just because like, you know, they both include the same clip or whatever. Uh, but on TikTok, that won't happen. If the original person actually deletes their video or if it's taken down, uh, the, the second video, the one of the person commenting on it will still, like, for the most part, at least, generally speaking, will still be around and people can still see that. So I think that's really fascinating because I, I don't think that's an accident, you know? Mm -hmm. I think TikTok okay, wants people okay. to kind of continue that kind of social commentary, if you will, um, in a way. So, so yeah. let's, okay, let me, let me be, let's be more broad here. Is social mm -hmm. media a bane or a boon for our generation? Is it good or bad? What do you think? Um, oh God, that's like a really tough question. I think it depends on how people use it, ultimately. I think it's generally speaking good because, like, you know, what we get out of it is... Um, well, we get a lot of things out of it, but I think that generally speaking, it, it can be used for good the same way that it can be used for that. It's, like, it's a tool, you know what I mean? Mm. The same way that a tool can be used for building something and also for destroying something. I think social media is kind of the same. Okay, how about this? From your own personal experience, what have you seen? Do you think it's been what having a lot? Yeah. Has it been having a much more positive effect on the people around you? I mean, yeah, I, I think so. 
but also I'm an optimist, so you know, I like to see the good in everything. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can hear that. We can definitely hear that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think so, because like, I don't know, the way social media changed my life is really, it's like multi-layered, you know? Like, How did when it I first change? started YouTube, hmm. in a lot of ways, when I first started YouTube, um, it, it started off as a joke, like in, in middle school, I was making videos with the little laptop I had, and I was posting them for fun, and then my friends would come up to me in school and be like, what the hell are you doing? That's creepy. Why are you posting your face on the internet? That's, don't do that. <laughs> um, and then it went from that to like, when I moved to Japan, and I kept growing my channel, and I continued posting regardless, people would come up to me and be like, oh, your videos are so helpful, thank you so much for posting that, and I still to this day will get like DMs and messages from people saying that they found the content that I post on my channel really helpful um, and I think that's amazing like that quality to be able to create a community and to find people who do like what you're doing mm. is really strong and it gives people you know just a sense of community the sense of like belonging and so I think that's kind of the most amazing part that's what's been the most amazing for me um, and now I actually do like social media um, related like, like work like that's actually what I do for uh, a living as well I, I help um, really small companies do like social media advertising and things like that really? Yeah, so I've been teaching these, like, you know, kind of older Japanese people how to use social media as a way to kind of boost their business and how, like, social media advertising can be really beneficial to their companies. So, I mean, I like to see the good in it. I know that there's the bad that exists, of course. It'll always be there. But from what I've seen, it's generally had, you know, a really amazing impact on my life. I also get a lot of modeling gigs through Instagram as well. Like, if that didn't exist, mm -hmm. I don't think I'd be able to, you know, have all the side hustles that I have. <laughs> So let me ask you this though, so why do you think that people need social media to feel connected? What is lacking in our world that makes us seek connection online? I, I, well, I mean, I, ooh. Yeah? I was you just going to add, yeah, I was just going to add like what you said about the opportunities, but Oscar actually asked something more specific, so actually you should answer that. Okay, okay. I think well, right now with COVID, it's pretty obvious, like we're all mm -hmm. isolated physically, so like of course, you know, social media is the only way we can connect with one another but i think the one biggest aspect at least for me is the fact that like i live literally on an island in the middle of the ocean like there's no other way that i can reach my family uh the people who i grew up with my friends the people who have gone back to their home countries like that's the only way that i know to stay connected with the people you can write meet, a, right? you can write a letter i mean i could but am i really gonna wait three months for the response i don't think so <laughs> hey, hey, hey you know what i mean time is a blessing <laughs> you learn about the value of time <laughs> exactly and it's, it's i'm sorry really funny. Yeah. no no i i look i like that you mentioned that point because like um right now i'm taking a course in university that talks about interpersonal communication mm -hmm. and one of the points that we kind of had a discussion about that i thought was really fascinating is how social media actually warps our perception of time because mm -hmm. back in the day that's what our parents did right they send each other letters and they're like wow a reply in one month that's so fast and they were just yep. like, so you know like super ecstatic to hear back from their friend after a month right mm -hmm. whereas now it's like if you leave somebody on red for like literally more than like a day they are like ready to butcher you you know what i mean <laughs> you've ghosted so, them that's a ghosting exactly. <laughs> you ghosted them completely. <laughs> so I think that's really fascinating how like we're now kind of more in a rush and we can we know we can communicate with each other instantly so we kind of expect it, you know? Mm. Um but yeah, I don't know. I'm not that like, you know, like pressed when people don't reply to me. Honestly, I'm like the worst texter, so I don't really care, but you know, some people are. So, you know. So, um. I think Oscar and I can talk personally about our own experiences. Like, I would mm -hmm. just say that from what I have seen, by the I'm an IT major, right? So the people right. I used to interact with in university, even mm -hmm. even beyond that, when I got my first design job, everyone yeah. was like heavy on social media. They needed to be heavy mm -hmm. on social media. Like you said, this is the this is the main way of connecting yourself to other people, right. and the main source of like the generation of opportunities for yourself, career wise, social mm -hmm. like personal wise as well. When it comes to like love interest and stuff like that, so like yeah. you needed social media and i needed social media as well but then somewhere along the way i started getting too comfortable with it and mm -hmm. the negative started to hit me a lot harder than i ever expected <laughs> and mm -hmm. that pushed me to where i am now where i'm actually very mindful of how much time i'm spending on social media so i'll just say yeah. that because i've been on like online internet for a very long time literally since we had like we used to have a study room in the 90s. I don't even know if people know. Like, Oscar, did you ever have a study room? Stop. <laughs> we still have study rooms. Come no, on. we don't. Nowadays, we yes, don't. we do. You put a, we have Wi-Fi now. We have Wi-Fi now. For people who don't know, oh, if you don't know, 
like how old are you listening to this podcast okay so <laughs> people who don't know what a study room back in the day computers were so expensive so mm-hmm. a middle class home used to be able to afford one computer that one computer right. used to be put in the study room maybe there'd be mm-hmm. some books and stuff like that but that was basically like like the general working place for the family right yeah so mm-hmm. everyone used to share that computer and my yeah. dad first connected it i think in like 1999 or like 2000s and mm-hmm. he used to chat i remember this specific experience where he was chatting with some of his colleagues or co-workers who had traveled to france mm-hmm. and this was on aol that's another like uh, resting no aol is still going strong if i remember correctly <laughs> but anyway so he chatted with them and he would like bring me up and say look i'm talking to somebody in france right now and that just blew my mind that was like the first my first like truly like bewildering experience with the internet i went like oh this thing is crazy what yeah. you're talking to someone live and they're replying right now at this yeah. moment it was so crazy mm-hmm. so i remember having similar experience to that too because like when i was younger they had uh, msn we yeah. also had like the main yeah, computer, yeah yeah yeah, right, yeah, where... yeah everybody used it and i remember the first day i used msn it was with my best friend we were in elementary school and i sent her this message and we you know we texted i don't know for or messaged each other for a few minutes and then i remember the next day being like i just don't believe that this is real so i went up to her at school and i was like did you were you really the one messaging me like did we actually talk about what we did and she was like yeah of course it was me and i was like what oh like i couldn't wrap my head around it it was crazy. yeah right okay yeah uh, oscar what, what what has been your experience my exp- I think we first got interest in my household when I was, man, I, I was pretty old. Maybe I was 10, 11, a bit older maybe. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I did have the, like, the internet was something I knew from school. That was it for me. Uh-huh. Like, and it wasn't really the internet. It was, it was like this, it was the internet basically. There was this one uh, thing, like it was kind of a, a Wikipedia for kids. Not really Wikipedia, it's something else. Where you could just search up random information. And that's the only thing I knew about the internet. In the Microsoft I, Encyclopedia? No, no, it was it was something else, something for kids. I've forgotten what it was. Uh. And but my first experience with like using the internet on my own was at a cyber cafe with friends. Uh-huh. And the, what did my what was the first thing my friend introduced me to when I was in a cyber cafe? <laughs> you know, it, it was porn. It was porn. Oh my goodness. That's awful. Oh, gosh. Man, man, boy. What a way to be baptized in the internet, you know? My goodness. Hey, hey, to be fair, porn has been a huge driver for the growth of the internet. Oh, it's the number one driver. I don't know about number one, but it's been huge, you know? (laughs) People trying to make it as accessible as possible. possible, Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's always available to them at any one point. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my Lord. How crazy was it that when the lockdowns first began, Pornhub made their subscriptions free. Yeah, they knew. Really? They knew. Yeah. They knew. They knew oh, this wow. like, ooh, millions of subscribers incoming. <laughs> <laughs> they said, let's bring the people first. And yeah. then we'll ask them for money. Mm-hmm. One of the, yeah, some of the biggest websites during the 2000, 2000s website boom, right? The, the mm-hmm. website crash that happened in the early 2000s, that a lot of mm-hmm. the websites that were really expensive were the porn sites. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, How is that? Is it because it was driving too much traffic and like the the servers couldn't handle it or something? Um, oh no, there's a huge. So people, it was it was an investment bubble. There were lots of people are just throwing money at these websites. You know, similar to how uh, what we have with NFTs right now, actually. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. a big investment bubble. People are throwing money at projects that really shouldn't be invested in. You know, yeah. So very dodgy projects here and there. So you know, got bloated, extremely big. People lost a lot of money, right? And a lot of those websites were porn websites because it was driving traffic. Right. And in the 90s, if you could find a naked picture of a girl online, you know, because the only way to get that content was magazines, right? There was no other way. And maybe you'd find like... You had to go through the shame of like walking into a store and like picking it up. Exactly. Show your face (laughs) to people, right? Let me tell you something. Once in a while when I'm leaving work and I'm on a train home, there's always this old man next to me. He's a salaryman. He's wearing a nice suit, but he's always reading a porn magazine right next oh, to me. Oh, God. Shameless. I'm like, I <laughs> wish I had that is. confidence. I wish I had that confidence. <laughs> I think you get an age where they don't care. Yeah, yeah, no, too, yeah right. Just like, 
Like in the middle of the train, just like with the magazine, and everyone can see the front cover. You know, it's not like they're trying to cover everything. No, no, and no. Like, he's trying to flash wow. it, and then he keeps when he sees you, he he gives you that eye contact and a little yeah, wink. Yeah, he's like, look you dead in the eye and be like, "What? Do you have a problem with me? And yet, leave me alone." And I'm like, "Wow, the shameless, the audacity. I don't know where they get it from. It's crazy." Okay, this is a perfect segue into life in Japan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. <laughs> You once told me, I don't know, this might be a, one of the, uh, I don't know. Okay, let's just try it. So you once okay. told me, right? Yes. That black people, black women specifically are viewed as very specific way by Japanese men. Oh, did you say oh, Japanese yes. men? Ooh. This was not me. This was definitely my sister. I can tell you this for sure because she's very passionate about it. We have a lot of discussions about this on our podcast too. Because she's very passionate about this. So I'm pretty sure it was her who told you. She um, told me, but then you out. added on top of it too. You added a little okay. bit. You know? remember what I said? I'm trying to recall what you said. You guys gave me a story, and you said that yes. you guys tend, like, black women tend to be sexualized quite a bit. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It is true. I, I don't want to speak on Nemo's experience, my sister, because she's actually the one who kind of came very, like, face-to-face with it. Essentially, she kind of was like, you know, on those apps where you, you practice Japanese with people or whatever, you kind of exchange messages. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had a really bad encounter with somebody who was very, like, kind of really invested in her. And she thought it was like, okay, well, why? Like, you literally don't know anything about me. Uh, and so I told her, I was like, you know, you should ask, like, genuinely, why, like, what, what is it that makes him so interested in you in particular? And I think the answer came up something along the lines of like, oh, I think black women are just so sexy. Like I've seen them in like adult videos and they're amazing. And she was she was just like disgusted. She was like, okay, no, <laughs> I can't talk to you anymore. <laughs> um, but I think that was really like eye opening because it, it kind of shows you how a lot of people in Japan don't have that many experiences with black women. Like at least in real life, you know? Yeah. Um, so the only time that they see them is like hip hop music videos. Social or... media or something. Yeah, exactly. Social media or in this case, adult videos, you know? And I think like what happens with that is that they start to build this image of what they think a black woman is like. Um, and they think all black women are like this, you know? Um, and that obviously makes it really sad for when they actually do come across black women because they don't know how to act and they just think, oh, you're like the woman I saw in the music video who was twerking, right? Like, that's the only way they know how to, like, you know, put you in some kind of understandable box, if that makes sense. So that's kind of sad because I think a lot of people, well, luckily this, this guy was very blatantly honest about it and he had the audacity to actually say it, which I thought was hilarious, but most Japanese people don't. They just have it cooking at the back of their minds while they're talking to you, you know? Um, and that's well, what has been it, your experience, though? My personal experience? Have you had I've any never of had experience? An, uh. No, I haven't. I haven't had anybody like blatantly come out to me like being kind of like you know like this upfront about what they think about black people. Um, but my ex was Japanese. I dated a Japanese guy for like a year and a half, and I think his perception of black women was like he just thought they were very intriguing, very different, and and he he liked a lot of like um, the really famous like black. Supermodels, you know, like uh, I don't know if you guys know any of them, but there's like no, I mean, a tech. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Those. There's also like uh, a lot of like the really tall, kind of skinny Sudanese. Like he thought those oh. women were beautiful, you know. So oh. I, I knew for him, it, it came more from this idea of it being like exotic, different, so like fascinating. I don't know. Maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe I think that's the whole thing about foreigners in Japan in general. Yeah, and I think that's what it is. Like I think for a lot of Japanese guys who want to even date like white women too or whatever. Even Japanese girls too. I'll add that. Japanese yeah. Girls too. True, true, true. Japanese girls who want to date black guys or whatever. It comes from this like, oh, it's just so exotic. It's so different. I just want to like know more about it, you know? And you know, hey, kudos to them. If it works, it works. That's great. I hope it, I mean, I hope it's like from a very like well-intended place where it's just like genuine curiosity. Um, but there's definitely some people where it's like, it's not, it's not curiosity. It's like, I already, I know who you are and I'm telling you, you're this person. And that's a little bit, you know, scary. <laughs> Oscar, what has been yeah. your experience? My experience with Japanese people in, my, not with, Japan, with people in Japan is that so I when I was I used to be a bartender a while back and was a bartender people would come up to me and tell me oh I like hip hop you know it's like okay okay that's cool, that's cool. <laughs> personally I'm not really interested in hip hop myself yeah when someone tells me that it used to really bother me why do you come to me and tell me you like hip hop but I, I figured know, out right? after a while that they're just looking for a way to connect yeah in whatever yeah. way they yeah. have they'll, they'll reach for that so yeah. it's like me less and less okay you like hip-hop okay yeah i've For... listened i listen to the west once in a while too you know Kanye west okay let's talk about that 
For mm-hmm. me, it's funny enough, it was basketball, right? Well, if it's not hip-hop, they'll come with you, like, because I'm slightly taller than most people. Oh, uh, like, yeah. Do you play basketball? I used to play basketball <laughs> in high school. Do you play basketball? <laughs> you should just be like, no, I played volleyball. I, but, let uh, me tell you, great. when I tell them no, it's like a total, like, mind-blown moment. They're like, really? Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> but you want to know something? Have you, have you guys seen this? I'm genuinely curious to know. I don't know if I'm the only one, but, like, you know how there's certain places in Harajuku where they'll be like, I don't know, I, I think I'm guessing they're from Nigeria. There's a lot of them who are Nigerian, Nigerian men who will be selling like, you know, these kind of like basketball gear. Yes. Yeah, and then they'll, and, well. yeah, yeah. yeah, and then they'll be blasting the hip hop music. And like, obviously, when I pass by them, I'm like, you're clearly you're not that guy. You're not from America. You're not mm-hmm. the hip hop dude. But you're selling this idea that all black people are like this, are like, you know, into basketball, into hip hop and whatever. And it always makes me so sad because I'm just like, obviously, Japanese people can't tell the difference. They, they know they don't know that, like, you know, these people are not, you know, from the States or whatever. The they intricacies think, oh, between African-American exactly. and African, African yeah. is like, it's lost to them. Exactly. No, and I would see it and go, oh. Those people, I think they're just trying to make money. You know, of course. Yeah. The most like, it's all about business, not so much about selling culture. Of course. No, yeah, yeah. for sure. And that's so the part I, that makes it the saddest to me, you know? Because I'm just like, oh, if only the people knew. <laughs> you know? I think they're learning slowly. Yeah. They're learning, but here's the thing. The argument I would make is that imagine trying to sell Kenyan culture or Nigerian culture in Japan. There are very few mediums through which you can do that, right? I disagree. I think there's tons. Because this is the thing, mm. right? There's mm. always going to be like a very, like, you know, even if it's small, it's still there. A very small portion of Japanese people who are kind of like obsessed with this idea of um, like, you know, seeing the world outside of Japan, right? And I think those people are the ones who, if you really sell them, like, you know, the, the, the parts of African culture that are different and that are very like bright and eclectic, I mean, they will just eat it up. And I know that because like, even for me when I was in school, um, I used to, you know, go to fashion college here in Japan and I studied textile design, right? And of course, mm-hmm. I mean, I had a teacher who was obsessed with like Kenyan fabric. She would she would talk about kangas all the time. She was so, and every time she would see one, she would take a picture and send it to me. She'd be like, look at what I found, <laughs> you know? She, I mean, it was like to the point where I was like, are you okay? Like, do you, it, do you, are you in love with Kenyan people? Like, what is, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, but I think it's, you know, yeah, she just had this love for it. But that's a very niche market, right? Like, you need to find that specific person or people that's who are interested in that, right? But if yeah. you're selling hip-hop culture, American hip-hop culture, well, yeah. you know everyone will eat that up. Hip-hop right. is now mainstream. If I'm trying to be rich, if I'm trying to be rich, I'm not going yeah. to go to the niche. I'm just going to go to the thing I know people are going to buy, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think yeah. that's what they do. So, the, my problem with the Nigerians I know that do that, not all of them, but I do know one in particular mm-hmm. who tells Japanese people that he's an American from New York. Oh, God. <laughs> I know he's Nigerian. Like, That's extreme. Tell me he's Nigerian. I had him speaking. I'm like, dude, oh you're God. Nigerian. <laughs> That's so funny. And I bet people buy it. Like, they, they, they buy, buy it. it. Obviously, like, they buy it. Completely. Like, where are you from? The Bronx? Amazing. Because <laughs> it feeds that idea they already have in their minds. You know, yeah, so it's exactly. like it's 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 just too much effort and energy to change the way they view black people. You right. know, so it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this guy is he's 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 reaffirming what I already know. Mm-hmm. So let me just take him on face value and go like, yeah, yeah, yeah you're from New York. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's a joke on TikTok about that actually, where like where people will come up to just a random black person. And just say that they look like a random celebrity who does not yeah. look like them at all. And the black person would just be like, yes, exactly. That, that's who I am. Like, they'll mm. be like, what? Beyonce, is that you? And mm. the black mm. girl would just be like, yes, yeah, I'm Beyonce. <laughs> so <laughs> It's just too tiring to be like, can you just, no, of course not, you know? Another interesting topic. We touch on relationships. But most importantly mm-hmm. for us, being in Japan, interracial relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oscar, what's your experience before you go to our guest? Well, I've been married to, to my wife for what, seven years now, almost seven years. And I would say the thing with interrelation, like they're challenging. They're challenging. I think they're more challenging than typical relationships because if I'm to marry a Kenyan, especially a Kenyan from my father's tribe, the only problems I assume we would have are problem related to like maybe household chores, money, you know, such typical issues that all couples have. But in an interracial, interracial, intercultural relationship, we face the problem of culture, whereby every day you're learning something about this 
as an aspect of this person's culture that you don't really understand yourself. Why do they do this? Why is she doing this? You know, why is he doing this? And this causes friction, more regular friction than a typical relationship. So every day is just a, it's a learning curve. Every day you're learning something new. From and and maybe that thing you're learning, you'd rather not learning because it's just it's it's a bother. It's a bother. Why am I talking about this in here? It's hard. It's yeah, definitely yeah. hard. Sana, what 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 has been your experience? Um, I don't even know where to begin with this. I feel like it's such a like a Pandora's box. It never ends. You know, when you open mm. it up, it's just there's so many layers to it. Um, but I had like very well so far I've had very positive experience and this is the thing I think I grew up knowing that regardless of who I would be with there would be some kind of something in terms of culture because my background is so complicated like mm-hmm. I'm born and raised in Canada but my mom is Kenyan and my dad is Congolese Angolan so mm-hmm. I knew like there's no way I'm going to find somebody who has the exact same background as me who I'm going to be with and like they're just going to know exactly like there's no way even if I dated somebody who was 100% Kenyan they won't understand the other parts of me mm-hmm. that be- you know being an like being born and raised in Canada right like exactly that side of you. exactly yeah yeah so i kind of already knew that that was going to be my situation going in um so like the like i mentioned my first relationship was with a, a japanese guy and that was very eye opening because as much as we got along so well from the get go like at the beginning we just like had a lot of you know similar hobbies a lot of similar interests um ultimately what ended up leading to us not being together anymore was yeah this the very like blatant difference in culture and the way that we grew up and how that shaped the way that we viewed the world you know um we had a lot of arguments about like oh this is disrespectful and this isn't in my eyes you know that kind of stuff right and that's stuff that you can't really get over kind of like what you know Oscar was saying just now it's like it's it's a bother for you to try to get the other person to understand why this you know you view things in this specific way and it's a bother for them to try to you know understand your point of view it's like what no this is how i grew up this is how i've always seen the world um so why should i change that perception just because you're telling me that it's different you know it's really hard to get over that no matter how much you you feel for that person or no matter how much you really care for them i think that's like a number one hurdle that's hard to to overcome you know and so and if something if you guys really do want to keep it going something has to give one of you has to sacrifice exactly exactly and then and that's why i think the the only relationships that i've seen that have been really successful where there's like two people from completely different cultures who come together is that there's one person in particular who is very invested in learning about the other person's culture and is willing to to a certain degree like kind of yeah you know give up or sacrifice exactly something to be able to make it work you know Mm -hmm. so yeah the problem is that egos come into play, right? Exactly. Egos once egos come into play, it's like you can you can fight once or twice, and you can uh, relent. You can go like, okay, you know what? It's fine. I'll say sorry. I'll be the one to let it go this time, right? I'll be the mm-hmm. one to be put on the chopping block, and it's fine. But how many right. times can you do that in that sort of like relationship, yeah, in an interracial relationship before? you start becoming bitter, right? Exactly, yeah. And you might not even be a bitter person, right? But Mm -hmm. somehow you feel yourself being like, oh, you know, I wish this happened, you know? And then suddenly you become a little bit more passive-aggressive than you, you just start Mm -hmm. having those tendencies. And you're just like, wait, what's wrong with me? I'm not even this kind of person. And yet I have these kind of feelings, you know? Right. It brings out a side of you you probably didn't know you you had, you know? It does. It does. It definitely does. But my wife and I, we had an argument about this a couple of years back, or maybe like three, four years ago, about how, like, her being in Japan, she has access to a family at all times. Like, right now Mm -hmm. we live in Osaka. Like, her sister and my, and her husband, and the sister and the husband literally live three minutes away from us, right? Oh, wow. That's close. We see the family all the time, all the time, right? Yeah. Our parents come and watch our our daughter once in a while. So mm-hmm. I was telling my wife, like, you know, like, when I say I miss my family, you don't quite understand. Right. So I was making the point, like, I would like to, like, take take some time off from work and maybe go to Kenya, even though it's alone, just to be with my family. Mm-hmm. And she was like, why would you do that? Why would you leave me here? It's like, it's not about leaving you. It's like, I need to see my people once in a while because you yeah. are always with your people. When mm-hmm. when I tell my wife like I miss my family, she can't understand because she has never been away from my family. Yeah. Oh, this long I, of a period, right? And no, not even this long. Like think about it. I was, I went to boarding school when I was eleven years old. That means that I'm away from my parents for three months. 
right? Yeah. And as a one-year-old boy, that's I was my I spent three weeks just crying, just crying, you know. Three, <laughs> yeah, three months back then is basically like a yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a year away from home. My my wife has not been away from my from her family for that long. Right? Wait, so wait, wait, wait. When when Yumiko was in Kenya, how many months was that? I thought that was like six months. No, no, no. It was shorter than that. It was maybe yeah, actually like three, four months maybe. Mm. It was a short time. It was like one semester of university. I remember. Only one semester. Uh, wow. Okay. Only one semester. That's still really great though, because I know relationships where people won't even visit the like mm. country of origin of their significant other. Wow. And that's wild to me. Yeah. And people, that relationship like survives. Like people make it work. Um, from what I've known, no. But you know, maybe there are some gems out there. Who knows? Hey, maybe there's yeah. some people that works for them. But again, like I said, I think that means that the person who is putting themselves on the chopping block is probably the person who is living in the country of origin of their significant other. You know what I mean? Mm, mm, so, mm. yeah. Yeah, so like I have this idea that when you're with your family, like when I'm with my parents, I can let go, I can put my guard down, I can be a kid once again, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I don't have to always act tough when I'm around my family. And my mm-hmm. wife feels that way. Well, like I can see when she's when her parents are around, she's, yeah. she's just less of an adult around her parents. Mm-hmm. She's free to let that inner child out, but me right. not having my parents around ever, my guard is always up. You know, yeah. I don't want to be the weak guy in the room, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if my mom is here, I can be a child for a second. You know, like funny enough, I can relate to that in another way. When I'm with Sana and her sister, actually. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah, my fiance commented that, hey. You know, when you're around your cousins, you're like a little bit more playful and a lot more like childish <laughs> than mm-hmm. usual. That's so cute. Aww. And I'm just like, nice. they they just are familiar to me, you know? Yeah, yeah. They remind me of home. And when I get reminded of home, I can't help but not be transported like 10 years back into the past, you know? <laughs> 10, right, 15 years yeah. back in the past and I'm a child again, I'm just hanging out with my family, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. So, I feel that too. And yeah. I only realized how important that is this year because up until like recently, I was living in Japan by myself. Like I was completely alone, mm. you know, and I didn't have any family nearby. And I think when I had that like shift in my mind where I was like, oh wow, like this is why family is important was when mm. my parents came to visit me. They came in 2019 like right before the pandemic and thank goodness they, they did because if not i don't know if i would have been able to see them but they came uh, in 2019 and i remember just this feeling of my parents taking care of me oh my god it was like nothing yes. Yes. i had ever like you know experienced before especially as an adult you know because it's different when you're a kid you're like mom and dad leave me alone you know yeah <laughs> but when you're older and your parents are around, you appreciate like, you really exactly. truly appreciate Exactly. You go to the restaurant. Oh, you know they're gonna pay for you. You know they got you right. You know you don't. You don't even have to reach for your wallet. You know what I mean? You wake that up in the like... morning and breakfast is ready. What? Exactly. What? Oh, magic. <laughs> it's like exactly. It's like magic. Yeah. Oh, that was amazing. And I think that's when I realized, like, oh wow, I really do miss my family. And then luckily a year later, my sister moved in. She came to Japan and moved here and lived with me. And then a year after that, like, we ended up connecting with Jason and we found out that he lives in Japan too. And that was great. So I just had this like moment of really appreciating my family this year, and mm. I was like, "Wow, mm. this is this is the stuff, you know? It doesn't get yeah. any better than this." And also, another like the hardest part for me is not being able to speak Swahili, right? Oh, I really? Yeah. Yeah. It's like when I'm with my family, I speak Swahili all the time, or even with my cousins, with my friends back in Kenya. But in yeah. Japan, English or Japanese, mm-hmm. and well, like, of course, in Kenya, English is our first language. Right. It's not. It's not the language I speak at home. Right. Mm-hmm. My family, it's Swahili, and I, it's like that part of my brain is being shut off. Yeah. I, 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 this I, one guy, he works in my company, and he's from Kenya, from Mombasa, the same place as Jason. Mm-hmm. And in Mombasa, speak a very pure Swahili. It's a very beautiful Swahili, not like people in Nairobi. I was just <laughs> 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 I was talking to this guy. He was he was texting me a year mm-hmm. back, and I realized. I don't understand some of what he's saying. Oh my God, I need Google Translate. <laughs> right, yeah. What's happening to me? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I have a similar experience because, you know, um, so I grew up in the French-speaking part of Canada. Mm. Uh, and obviously, like, you know, French-Canadians, we speak like a very specific type of French. That's, it's kind of, I guess if it had to be compared, it would be more like the Nairobi. Like, it's kind of trash French because mm. it's mixed with a lot of English. It's kind of, you know, not a lot of, like, actual French people from France understand any of it. 
and um right now my boyfriend he's from france so he speaks french from france so when we try to speak french with each other it just doesn't work like it's just <laughs> not because he's just like what even are you saying he he really is not a fan and i think that's hilarious though because i'm just like this is the french that makes me feel at home yeah. you know why won't you accept that but he's like no can't do it <laughs> he's probably like hey we came to your country we gave you a language why don't you guys use it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know exactly and whenever he tries to imitate the accent it's terrible and i'm like oh god just give it up it's fine stick to your own french be that way oh, uh, it makes me laugh though i was gonna ask something about that um really? what oscar was saying i feel like in kenya we speak english mm-hmm. but we express ourselves in swahili yes right yes. Mm-hmm. so when you can't speak swahili it's like you can't express yourself fully you know mm-hmm. yeah because there's even jokes i would make and i'll just say like one or two swahili words and my 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 fiance will just look at me like what what do you say you know <laughs> you know and it's just yeah. like no this is the perfect opportunity for swahili like you can only yeah. say it in swahili and mm-hmm. i'm just like damn it only oscar if oscar was here he would understand <laughs> Yeah. yeah that's so true because my cousin moved to japan recently mm-hmm. and when he came to visit us for, for new years sorry for, yeah, for new years when i was with him i realized oh my god i'm so funny i forgot how funny i can be you in swahili right yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like, we spent yeah. hours just laughing you're like why am i not this funny with anyone else oh it's because yeah. when i was a kid i know when i was a kid i was the storyteller in the house i was making people laugh but i think mm-hmm. they moved to japan I'm not making anyone else laugh. Oscar, yeah. furious. That Oscar, side, you know? <laughs> that side of your soul has been sealed. It's been locked yeah, away. Yeah. And I feel like that's a big deal because I remember feeling the exact same way when I came to Japan. Like I also consider myself like I'm always kind of trying to make people laugh, trying to crack mm-hmm. a joke here and there. And I remember learning Japanese. That was the hardest part for me. It's like I couldn't crack a joke, and I tried to like you know talk to Japanese people or even talk to my foreign friends in Japanese and maybe make a joke, and it just wouldn't land. And I I, I got so sad. I was like, am I not a funny first, person anymore? What's first, happening? that's super courageous for you to try. You're learning the language and you're trying to make jokes in it. That's insane to me. That's so crazy. I know, but I was not succeeding whatsoever. And then I realized Japanese comedy is so different. Like, it is oh, different. It, yes, yes, it's yes. way it's different. It's not the same, you know? And I think a lot of the jokes, at least, I don't know, from my perspective, it's like very um, like simple. Like It's not like complex. Like you know, with, like, Let's not even get into the, the poop jokes. Well, the thing, the fascination they have with poop. It's true. I know. I remember when I taught kids. I mean, wow, the way they would lose it with the poop jokes. I was just like, really. And, not, and it doesn't stop. Not just kids, kids. exactly. Not just yeah, kids. Yeah, Even yeah. the teenagers yeah. and the, the young adults, yeah. they love it. It's like, what I know. is going on? It's unreal. It's crazy. But I, that's the part that made me the status. So I tried to understand Japanese like humor a little bit better and i think nowadays i'm a little bit funnier in japanese than at least mm. i used to be but it's still not the same like it's not like you know rolling on the ground kind of laughter you know it's just like uh-huh, a little giggle here and there and yeah, that's about yeah, it so i i, I will yeah. say that the part for me the comedy in japan that works best for me or the one i can relate with and i think is genuinely funny is the sarcasm i do enjoy their sarcasm i think their a, sarcasm they ha- I guess in anime. I would say sarcasm in anime. They have some oh, really good okay. jokes in anime. I've, I've watched enough anime that's actually genuinely funny. Yeah. Because the joke, the people writing the jokes, like, oh, they understand sarcasm or irony right. really, really well. Um, yeah, I think the only one that I've seen that's really had me laughing was is um you know the the anime Psyche K. No. Yeah, I know it. I know it. Yeah. You do? Yeah. Yeah. That one is absolutely hilarious. But that one, I think, it's more like comedic timing. Like, it just makes the right jokes at the right time. Like, it says the right thing at the right time, and that's what makes it funny. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I've ever seen, like, actual... Star- you have to hook me up. Tell me those anime. Kono, Konosuba. The- like, Konosuba is the go-to, like... If people have not watched this, like... This is, like, peak anime or Japanese comedy to me. It's a, it's really? an anime. It's Yeah, it's an isekai thing. Like, I, I recommend it to people who enjoy laughing. And those people mm-hmm. who are maybe interested in seeing what, like, kind of humor is really funny to them interesting okay i think it's a really good show i think it's a really good show i think any almost anyone can watch it actually okay what was the name again konosuba it's the short information it's konosubarashi seikai ni something something oh okay 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 Mm. okay cool all right i'll look that one up and like animes Mm -hmm. oscar last topic what's the last topic no, what's the most challenging experience you have faced as a black person in Japan? Ah, uh, okay, okay, I guess that can be, okay, 
Oh, that's a good one. I'm trying to think. I think the most challenging part is like, um, like seen as you're being seen as other, obviously, because you mm -hmm. stick out so much. Um, but I think like when I encounter people who are very naive, like they generally just don't know anything, I can kind of let it go. But when it's like really like you could tell they've already made up their mind about what they think black people are like. That's when I get a little sad. And the thing about Japanese people is like a lot of times they won't say it very blatantly. Like they won't be very like upfront about it. But you can kind of tell that it's not from a place of like, oh, I just never met a black person. What do you know? What like what things can you teach me? It's more like I'm not even interested in you as a person. Like I think a lot of it has been okay. For example, um, little things like I'll be walking around, you know, and it's nighttime, and like somebody will be maybe looking at their phone while they're walking in my direction. And then, like, they're kind of not really looking up. So the second they look up and they see, like, that there's someone in front of them, they'll, like, gasp in fear and, like, <laughs> freak out. And I'm like, I'm just minding my own business. Like, I did nothing to threaten you. I did oh. nothing to come at you, you know? But, like... Oh, yeah. oh you have? Yeah, same here. Yeah, I, I yeah, was yeah. walking down the street once. I was living work, and there was a woman walking on the same street. And she turned back and saw me, and she started running. She ran. Okay, but Oscar, you do have that third complexion. I will say that. <laughs> the third complexion. Oh my uh, god. Yeah, he does have the third complexion right there. That makes me so sad to hear though, because it's just like, why? Why is it that the, the complexion has to be what does it for you? You know what I mean? It's like, come on. It's 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 it's, I, it's like they've never seen this type of person yeah. before you know right. it's like it's 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 the flight uh what's it called fight or flight yeah the fight or fright um reflex yeah so it's like know, what is this thing i don't know what yeah. it is i'm not gonna sit around and wait until it introduces itself to me you know like yeah <laughs> i'm just gonna run it just gonna kick it and they yeah. out well, so yeah. here, here's what i want to ask you though um sana what mm -hmm. is the differences between because you grew up in a mostly white neighborhood in canada right? yes mm -hmm. what are the differences and challenges being black in canada versus being black in japan well i feel like in japan um like i said it it comes more from a place of like you know being a little bit naive like they don't really know what to expect when they see black people because they don't have any experiences with them so a lot of it comes from a more like curious place Whereas in Canada, like people are, they've had experiences with black people. They've met a black person or at least a few black people in their lifetimes. Uh -huh. So if somebody like doesn't like you, it's very like obvious, you know, like if they don't like you because you're black, it's very obvious. And it's very like, it's not hidden, you know, they're very like upfront about their racism to a certain degree, you know? Um, Cause like, I mean, I can count like tons of experiences as a kid. And actually I was talking to my sister about this, but like, um, as kids, we, we had these instances where people, little kids, like, I'm talking about, we were like, what, five, six, seven years old, and where, like, you know, white people in our class would say, oh, you can't play with us because you're black, or you can't sit with wow. us, you're black, don't sit with us, yeah, like, very blatant, and, like, you're a child, like, where do you even, I don't even know where that comes from, but, you know, it's still, like, deeply ingrained, mm -hmm. where it's, like, you know, it's very blatant, it's very obvious and in your face, whereas in Japan, I think a lot of it is more microaggressions, and it's a lot more, like, um, yeah, Microaggressions. I just, exactly. You just, they just don't know what it is, like like you said, you know. So they're like, I'm not, I'm not even gonna wait around to find out. I'm just gonna leave. I'm just gonna, you know. Yeah. And I prefer that, to be honest. Like, I prefer that because I'm just like, whatever. At least you're not in my business. And like, if you don't like me, you can be on your merry way. But um, I think in Canada it was a bit harsher. It was a bit more straight up. So I was not a fan of that. That's for sure. Yeah, I think for Jason and I, growing up in Kenya, we don't have much experiences with with race, race or racism, race as well, because like we're all black, right? Yeah. Well, coming to Japan when someone, so when I meet African Americans in Japan, and we mm -hmm. talk about racism, whatever description they give me racism seems too extreme for me. Really? Right? Yeah. So whenever they say like, "Oh, this Japanese is acting as though they're racist," from my mm. point of view, I cannot see that racism. Right. So, someone running, for... running away when she saw me. For me even for me, it was a funny experience. Like, it's a, <laughs> it's a really funny. I came home and laughed with my wife about that. Right. Yeah. And, but I knew this guy who once told me that he was in a bar and mm -hmm. this Japanese guy told him that, oh, you're really black. And he got offended and told the Japanese guy, you have a really big face. And the Japanese guy got angry. So, <laughs> I mean, if it was me and the Japanese guy told me you're really black, my response is thank you. 
Yeah, I don't feel the race the racism there. So maybe just like, yeah. the way you grew up talking about like being told I don't sit with us don't sit with us because you're black. Yeah. Now that's something that Jason and I know nothing about. Right, race right. So race isn't a very, thing in yeah, Kenya. It's very it's very hard for me to to abs- to subscribe racism to any scenario. It's very, very hard for me to For us so, it's like clans we understand the idea of like identifying people by clans but identifying mm-hmm. people by race that that is only works within the context of like oh there's a white person in the group you know mm-hmm. yeah there's a white mm-hmm. person maybe there's an indian you know arab mm-hmm. chinese person yeah something like that that makes sense but most kenyans it's right. like you see another black person you think ahinim kenya this guy is kenyan which clan mm. <laughs> they start thinking of like now is this guy a kamba is he from where is this guy from you know mm. <laughs> I think we kind of have that too in Canada cuz like when we see other black people in Canada we're always trying to figure out what country they're from like what's mm. their cuz unlike uh, Americans we actually a lot of black people who are in Canada know exactly where they're from you know they're either first generation or whatever so it's not like oh I don't know you know like where my ancestors are from it's like you know specifically where they're from you know so mm. in that way I'm very like thankful because I feel like I had the best of both worlds mm. um like I had this you know this part of my life where I was kind of othered for being black and then this other part where there was this almost like community of black people that are very close and tight knit with each other mm. and um that you know would relate to the fact that they kind of have a very strong connection to where they're from originally so that was really cool I really appreciated that but I'm jealous of you guys because when I hear those stories about like you know Kenyans just kind of not really having these very blatant issues of like you know race being like you know something they have to confront on a constant basis I'm like wow it must be nice it must Actually, be really nice <laughs> we 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 love the idea of diversity like mm-hmm. we've talked to oscar with, uh we've talked about this in the past um white people like the idea of like m- like different people from different backgrounds coming to kenya like mm-hmm. kenyans are more than happy to share like whatever they have with them yeah. culture stories all that kenyans love the yeah. idea of like other people coming there so diversity mm-hmm. in kenya is like something that's celebrated for the most part that's awesome yeah that's really great in Canada, I mean, it kind of is as well because, every, like I said, most people are not 100% born and raised in Canada. And even the ones that are 100% Canadian, like if you go far back in their lineage, you know, you'll find, oh, yeah, this person yeah. actually came from France or came from this country or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So in a way, there is that level of like, oh, we all came from somewhere, so let's like appreciate that fact. Um, but it's, it's still, I don't know, it's not as deep, I think. I think it's only like amongst the communities themselves like i only really felt that when i was hanging out with other black people and we were like oh you're from haiti oh cool like my parents are from this place and where are your parents from oh they're from here you know like mm-hmm. kind of connecting with other first generation people who are similar to me but uh, yeah and with that final comments because we're out of time well i'm really grateful to have you on the podcast center and i hope to be a guest on your podcast someday oh my gosh yes of course, I've you need to. to like, I've listened only to your first two episodes, so I'll keep oh, really? listening. Yeah, I did listen when Jason told me about it. And I awesome. did enjoy it. I really did enjoy it. I was really so oh, I, was, I was telling Jason how, like, man, like, we're inspired. Like, if you claim to be inspired by us, we need to, you know, really push up our game. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be doing videos soon, you know? <laughs> yes, do it. I recently Actually, started doing video, like, with you um, guys. You guys inspired me push that oh, idea really? to oscar yeah because me and oscar mm-hmm. tried that idea in the past but we were like ah, it's too complicated too much work you know so we're like yeah, let's yeah, save it yeah. for another time but then we kind of forgot about it and then when i saw you guys doing videos like hey we should do video too you know yeah for sure no do it because the thing is like this is one thing that i think is kind of cool about like just youtube in general is like i feel like right now there's like a boom in a lot of people like you know making podcasts and kind of posting them on youtube um and it's really great you can kind of see that a lot of people are still very invested in watching it even mm-hmm. if let's say the video quality is not as great or whatever because if you have fantastic quality audio like that's all it takes to really have a very good video i think people would rather see something that's like kind of not so good quality video but like really great audio than like the other way around you know <laughs> so just start it off like doesn't matter if it's crusty at the beginning i'm sure the people will love it i'm sure they'll eat it up i'm sure your fan base will grow a hundredfold and just to quickly mention if you invite oscar first before me i'm deleting your number off of my phone <laughs> oscar will talk we'll what okay yeah you play this play with play these games play these games and see where this road leads you <laughs> oh, oh gosh i, I mean we'll, we'll probably have both of you guys because we, we have to you know 
we have to have the OGs. We can't have you guys pitting yourselves against each other. Then we'll break you guys up, and then the podcast won't exist anymore. And then we'll be it, it's fine. But my name comes comes first. <laughs> All right, fine, fine. We'll work that part out. Uh, uh, you know, I kid and I just. <laughs> anyway, it's been fun. Thank you so much yes, for coming on. As Thank usual, you me. thank you, Oscar, so much thank for the reason. hard work. Oscar, some of this. Oscar, hey. And with that, and obviously, thank you, wonderful listeners out there. I yes. hope you enjoyed the talk as much as we enjoyed talking. Mm-hmm. Yes. Talk. And please check out Black Sister Sekai, our podcast well, as well. We'll, we'll, we'll put your plug in. Don't worry about that. Thank we'll you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, find thank the link you. in the blue, 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 the description. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, bye bye, people. Bye bye, wonderful bye. people and listeners. Bye bye.